welcome to the MWT Podcast with Tiffany. What up? And me, Lisa. On this podcast, we talk about various topics, lots of randomness sometimes, and drink different drinks. Oh, I guess today it was my drink, so I guess I'll say what it is. <laughs> so, today, we are drinking Winking Owl, and it's Pinot Grigio. So, if anybody doesn't know what Winking Owl is, it is um, a wine that comes from California. And it's actually found at this store, Aldi, that's around here. I'm, I'm sure other states have Aldi. Yeah, I think uh, some other. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. all of them have um, Aldi's, but oh, quite you a probably few have can hear me pouring. Aldi's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I really like this like the line of um wine it they have different flavors maybe not every single flavor of wine but um but the best part is they're only two dollars and 89 cents and this is 11.5 percent alcohol Mm -hmm. by volume so it's actually really strong Mm -hmm. as well and the red ones are like 13 point something so if you're looking to get tipsy for cheap, cheap, cheap for really cheap, and you have an all these, I would check out their yeah. liquor section. They have or, a they have a quite a um, big liquor section. I noticed last time I went there, like they have all different kinds of beers now. Mm-hmm. And like I even saw, like they have IPAs now. They have like a whole section Ciders, of beer, wine, a whole big old section of. Wines. I guess they don't really have liquors because I have never seen like never a seen a bourbon no. or tequila or anything like that. I've only but seen beer and wine. Beer, ciders, wines. Yeah, stuff um, like that. Yeah, if you want something like that, and you know, like Lisa said, fairly and cheap. cheap. Like it's, I've never tried any of the beer. I don't know. If, mm, no, I've never had any of their beer. Either. I think I I've grabbed think, wine, but never beer. And I think Winking Owl is the only wine I've ever had from. Oh, maybe I drank one other kind. Maybe we need to like grab a beer from there and, and try then just it. try it one time. Yeah, because they're not expensive. So even if they're gross, right? Which if this wine is this good, I don't know why the beer would be. Yeah, because uh, there's different brands, and yeah. you never know what you're gonna yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We'll have to go inspect them on. The people will be looking at us like we're crazy. Yeah. So you guys can blame Lisa again for us not having a podcast last week. Ugh, I know. I'm just saying, Lisa, she's canceling on me. I, it's been like a rough, exhausting couple weeks for me. Last week, well, last week I was out of town part of the week, like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then Thursday, sorry to hear Calvin in the background. Sorry. He's he's working days now, so he's home at night, and he's like, he he knows we're recording, and he's getting louder and louder as he comes up the stairs. I specifically told Calvin, I specifically told him, hurry up and go get back, because we're going to start recording, because Tiffany hasn't ate dinner yet. So she's no, hangry. I'm very hangry. And then she's going to be buzzed from the wine. I'm going to be buzzed and hangry. And and I know I'm, I get very... On Monday, we did some errands, and I didn't eat all day, and I was very hangry. Okay, now he's going in the room. Rude. Dude. So, um, so then, like, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I was out of town for this convention. By out of town, she means she was about 25. I mean, 
30 max I, miles away I, in Chicago. I, I was still so, out yeah. and I didn't come home. Like, she we was, stayed yeah, there. She, she wasn't available Because our day started early and then it went late at night. So, um, yeah, I wasn't here to record. So, I went to this convention with church and it, it was called, um, well, with the, the, the children's ministry leaders. That's what I'm trying to think of. And it was called Faith Forward. So I've never been before, but our director has been, so she asked if we wanted to go. So I'm like, sure. Well, never, I really thought we were going to this thing to, like, learn how to, like, better teach kids things and obviously how to make things come across that make more sense for kids to learn and maybe how to just make things easier. Never in my life did I imagine that it was going to be such a emotionally, like, stressful, exhausting three days. So, wait, was it stressful? It wasn't, Or was well, it just, like, emotional? Okay, well, it was very uncomfortable. Okay, so what... And so, what just, was okay, so, like, I like talking to people. I talk to people before my work, like, all day long. I talk to people I don't know. And then, not a lot of people know, like, when I'm out with a bunch of people, I don't really like it very much. Like, I get anxiety. Like, okay, not all the time. Not always. I'm not like that. Like, if I'm with, like, some of my good friends, or if I'm with Calvin, or whatever, I usually am okay, because I have somebody else there to kind of, like, spark conversations with other people, and then I don't have to worry about the awkwardness. Like, get it all out of the way. And everybody's just interrupting us today, the Tiffany's. Laptop, too. Yeah. So, um, so like, obviously, none of my best friends or Calvin wasn't there last week. So, I mean, there was a ton of other people there. And there was times, like, we had to talk to different, like, people we don't know. And and that gives me, like, for real anxiety. Like, I know that's totally where Jordan gets his anxiety about people are from. It's because of me. See, and I get anxiety, but that's only if I have to stand up in front of a group of people I don't oh, know no. and give, like, a speech or something. But... In a casual conversation, like, no. I do feel a little awkward, but I've gotten over the whole mm -hmm. anxiety thing because I'm like, you're just feeling just as awkward as I'm feeling. Right. So, it's a That's little bit true. easier. Like, at work, I have absolutely, or even at church, like, when I, like, in a classroom, the classrooms, like, I have no problem speaking to the parents that come in. At work, I absolutely have no problems whatsoever sparking up a conversation with any patient that I come in contact with, like that, just it doesn't bother me at all. It's just the I don't know why. Just sometimes out in public, it's just like, like I mean, it gives me anxiety to the point where I'm like, uh, I can't even think straight. Like it's crazy. Like I don't like holidays. I don't like being out at stores and stuff because I I just can't do it. Like we used to go Black Friday shopping. I can't do it anymore. Like, I just get really bad anxiety about, like, it's kind of making me feel like I'm having anxiety now and I'm not even around people. <laughs> but, um, so, so I think that's where it was kind of stressful and very uncomfortable because I knew there'd be points where we had to talk to people we didn't know. Because there was, like, we stayed in the main, so we were at St. James's Cathedral in downtown Chicago. It was absolutely, I mean, like, I could have literally, I think, just sat for a day and stared at all of this stuff. I love cathedrals. Yeah, in there because everything was different and it was stained glass windows and 
I mean, you could just tell it was probably the original when the church was built. Oh, so I could have just sat in there and stared at all of it all day long. Um, so we were in main gatherings. We're in there with everybody in there. And then we did these little breakout gatherings. And then the breakout gatherings was especially when I started to feel like, am I going to have to talk to these people? I don't know these people. I don't want to share nothing with these people. I don't know these people. Like, it was, I don't know, it was just bad. So that, that's the part where it was uncomfortable and stressful. But then, um, it was more, so the whole topic was, um, teaching your, ch teaching children to be lovers in a dangerous time. So like with everything going on in the world and with, I mean, they were very blunt, like with the president who's not exactly loving and caring and compassionate to everyone. He clearly doesn't like certain people and then he likes certain people so I mean there was people of every ethnicity and background there that talked and there was um, this one girl she has um, a Netflix series I'm pointing to the TV like you guys can see me she has a Netflix series it's called Chicago Girl okay so she's from Syria mm-hmm but she grew up here, I think, I don't remember if she said all of her life or most of her life, but I'm going to sit down and watch her. I purposely did, we did Netflix again because I want to watch her series on there. And she, when all that stuff started happening with ISIS and Syria, she's like, I cannot, I can't just let this go. Like, that's my home too. And she said, you know, my parents have very well taught me, like, that's your home and Chicago is your home. Like, they're very, like, both are your homes. You, you know, you are be proud of both. And you, no matter what, you be proud because that's your home and this is your home. So she started talking about how um, it just kept eating at her, eating at her. Like, what can I do to help? How can I help? I have to help. I cannot just sit here and not help. So she started using social media as a tool. And then, like, she started getting all these followers and people on there. And then... Somehow it connected her with, um, like, activists and journalists that are in Syria. And then she got hooked up with people who are, who are building the underground, like, hospitals and schools. Because she said when ISIS or whoever would come there and bomb, that's the first thing that they bomb. They bomb kids' schools. All the schools get bombed and the hospitals or any medical facilities get bombed because they don't want these people to have anywhere to go. Are they talking about the government or are they talking about ISIS? Because, I mean, what, from what I hear is going on with Syria is it's like they think that everybody in the town or, like, in a certain area are all rebels. So the government is bombing No, she's talking about ISIS. People. Like, she was doing this specifically when the whole big ISIS thing was going on. Okay. And she was just there talking, sharing her story. So, um, so then she got, like, through social media, she got to know these people, and, and she got in so deep that, like, the journalists and, um, some of the activists that were there were, like, giving her their passwords to their social media accounts, because if they catch them, one of the things that they make them do is go in like they get into their social media and then they read all of their comment like their messages back and forth and then they know how to go get someone else mm -hmm. and hold them captive so then anytime 
somebody wasn't on for a certain amount of time, she would go in and deactivate their account. Well, then, um, like, she started, like, collecting things around here that she knew that they needed for kids and for people, and she would send them, somehow she would get them there. I can't remember exactly what she said, but she, there was this one time where she's been there three times. She had been there three times, mm-hmm. and there was one time um, when they were like, you know, we don't have, um, was it? I think she said insulin. We don't have insulin, and we have kids here and adults here. We have four more doses and this many people who need it. If they don't get it, they could die. So somehow she, like, got in contact with people. She got three suitcases full of insulin to go there. Nice. So then she's like, okay, how the heck am I going to get there? You can't just ship insulin to, like, because I think a lot of the places where they meet people is in Turkey. Because then they can sneak it in or get it over. Like, they walk through a a minefield and get it over. Yeah. And, um, so she told her mom that this time she was, she said when all this was going on, she was, I think she said she was just 18. And, um, her mom kept telling her, you're not going. You're not going. You're not risking your life. You're not going. I'm not letting you go. I don't care what you say. So she said after three days of fighting with her mom, she finally looked at her mom and said, you keep telling me I'm not going because my life is too valuable to be there. She said, why is my life any more valuable than these people's lives who are going to die if they don't get this when their parents, they're somebody's child, there, whatever. So they just have to take it there. So then I guess finally her mom said okay. And she brought it there and um, whoever was watching the, because they, I guess they knew like certain people who watched the Turkey-Syria border. Mm -hmm. um, They knew which ones that would sneak them in and they knew which ones that would absolutely not. Yeah. And the day she gets there, it was the ones that won't. Like she would have been took into captive and raped and God knows what happened to her because she came from the United States. So she had, to, she had to go through the minefield to get the stuff in. So like, But I guess there's somebody who knows like what they're doing and how to like tell where the bombs are. I'm sure it's like a military person who's been trained because no, that is what... Or they, they know the same path and they use the same yeah, path every, every time. time. And hopefully don't blow up. But she got it there. Well, why she was there, they were bombing in that same area. She said, all of a sudden, this little, and I can't remember what word, little kid comes running and screaming at the, and wherever they were underground. And, and she's like, what's wrong? What's he saying? What's he saying? And the guy was like, everybody take cover because they're bombing. And then she said, all of a sudden, she just heard all of these explosions outside. So... Then she kept telling them, like, I can't leave, and um, they said, no, you you know, we feel like you're kind of a burden because we have to protect you. We have to make sure you go back because you are our, like, everything back where you're safe and behind the computer where nobody can hurt you. You have all of these outlets now. You have all this stuff, so then she went home, and I don't know, it's a, it's a big, long story, but I want to watch her her little Netflix series to see 
what it's like. So, of course, you know, when you think of things like that, it's like, we, I don't know, we had a podcast on, like, refugees and stuff before, and it's kind of like, it's heartbreaking because this is what these people live, have to live like, children, on a daily basis, but so many people here are against them coming here because they think that they're all bad. Right. And... I mean, it's self-preservation, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is worried about themselves. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking out for number one, right, mm-hmm. for themselves. And it, it's... You hear it all the time. It even boils down to just the microcosm of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, I don't care about the poor people in this country. Why? Because I need to worry about me and my family. As yeah. long as we're good, I don't care, right? Yeah. Nobody has this sense of community, the sense of, like... You know what, maybe we need to think about the whole. What is this going to do? You know, it's the same way with, you know, gas and all that kind of stuff, right? Everybody's like, we need to build these pipelines, right? Mm -hmm. Why? Because we don't care about future generations. We care about us and what's making a profit now. Right. So, I mean, it's a lot of greed. It's Mm self-preservation. It's, you know, a lot of just things that are not going to get us anywhere beneficial Mm -hmm. As an entirety, as an entire mm. human race, it's just really more about one particular person's... Yeah, what they want. So, then, like, another lady that spoke, um, she she was black. She said when she grew up, her family, like, her parents taught her and her church taught her, this is what the Bible says. This is exactly what you do. You don't do anything else. You you live by the Bible. If you do not live word for word by this Bible, you're living in sin and you're going to go to hell and you're going to... And now, you know, she said it was just very like, this is what we do. We do this because this is what the Bible says we do. And she said, you know, I, I struggled a lot as I got older because... I just wasn't, I wasn't happy. I felt very lost. I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know if what my parents instilled in me for my whole life, if that's really what I believed or how I felt that, you know, it, it really should be. And um, she said, so then I go off to college and I'm this lost kid and I don't know what to do. And because I know I'm not happy, but I don't really understand why I'm not happy. But I know I just feel like something is not right. So she says she gets to college. She starts meeting people. Then she found out, you know, I don't know. I think, I can't remember if she said she found a church or what that, you know, taught you be who you are. Because regardless of who you are, God is going to love you anyway. Nobody else should judge you for who you are or what you believe in or what you do she said so then i started meeting other people and and i started realizing the things in life that i actually really loved and that i was always told was a sin if i did this or i was a sin that i did this or i'm going to hell for this and she goes but it's not true and um so now she's oh god i wish i would have wrote it down like she's something queer some like trans I don't I don't even know pan 
pangender? Is pan gender, pansexual, pan, pan something. Pan something and then something else. There's so many different things. Yeah, I wish ridiculous. I would have wrote it down because she said, and like, like, this is heartbreaking to think. Like, I could never imagine disowning my child. She said her whole family disowned her. Totally yeah. disowned her and never talked to her again. She said, to this day, and I think she's graduated and by now, but had they've never spoken to her. They want nothing to do with her because she's going to hell and she lives in sin. And God will never forgive her. Yeah. So she says, so she showed like. I agree. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right? <laughs> so she showed the picture of her family, her real family, biological family. And then she showed a picture of like her friends and her people who have adopted her as a family. And she said. This is my now family because I know nothing about that family anymore. They want, they still to this day will have absolutely nothing to do with me. Nothing at all whatsoever. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, it doesn't, um, it doesn't surprise me. Just within, for as many conversations mm -hmm. and uh, debates and arguments that I've gotten in mm -hmm. on social media regarding mm -hmm. just gay, right. queer. Right transgender topics like that because mm -hmm. I don't quite understand the hate. Yeah, me either. Because it doesn't affect other people. Like, it exactly. doesn't affect you. Someone else's love mm -hmm. for someone else has nothing to exactly. do with you. And I don't understand where the animosity comes from. And I always look at this that in the same regard of if you believe that homosexuality is wrong, then do not be homosexual. Exactly. Who you? Who are? Period. Who are people? Like, you're like, not saving anybody. No. By telling people they're condemned. You know, and it's like everybody has some sin mm -hmm. of some sort, exactly. which means you should technically be disqualified from so, heaven. My favorite saying is. Do not judge me because I sin differently than you. Because you're correct. Everybody in some way, shape, or form is sinning. And you're not supposed to judge. Like, as a Christian, you are not supposed to judge another person because that is not your job. You're supposed to love and accept everyone. So you not loving and accepting her and you judging her, you're doing wrong as well. So it's like, how dare you treat your own flesh and blood that way? I'm like, I've heard people argue, but for somebody to sit there and literally share their whole story of their journey from the time they were a child till now and, you know, show the pictures. And it was just like, like, I don't know, my heart just felt so heavy because I felt bad for her because I would never want, I don't care what my kids become as an adult. I don't care if they like girls, they like boys, they like both. They want to dress like a woman. I don't care. As long as they are good human beings and love other people and stand up for other people and are that voice for other people and themselves and are good people, I don't care what you are. Yeah, I, I mean, don't want you to be some the... people equate that as not being a good person. I know, and it's You know, sad. they think of it as something that's perverted. Mm -hmm. And... I think there has to be a balance on both sides, mm -hmm. right? You have to understand that for some people, it doesn't feel normal mm -hmm. to them. And 
just allow them to feel that that's not normal for Mm -hmm. them. Right. You know, as long as they're not being malicious, they're not talking crazy to you. Right. And all that. You have to understand that people come to terms with things in their own time. And the same thing. It doesn't affect you. If they're treating you the same same way, but they just don't believe that homosexuality is, you know, Mm Christian-like or God-like, that's fine. That's an opinion for them to have. Right. Right? As long as they're treating you with kindness and respect, Mm -hmm. that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And at the same token, you know, people have to understand that, hey, maybe the way that you perceive the Bible is mm-hmm. different from the way I perceive the Bible. And I, we all know that from talking to different Christians of different walks right. and different faiths and dif- mm-hmm. different denominations and talking to people of other religions as well. It's just that you have your devout, you have your... um people who get a little crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. You get your people that are kind of more lax in their principles. Yeah. And really, we don't know. We don't know God. We don't know mm-hmm. the afterlife. We don't know what happens, right? This right. is faith. It's pure faith. Yeah. So you're allowing your beliefs to shape the way that you treat others. Mm-hmm. And I agree. It should be nothing but kindness yeah. to other people. I say that as I, like, sat in my car and cursed out every single driver on the way over here and on the way home. But, you know. <laughs> but you I know, be kind. I wouldn't wish harm upon them, but I was just like, what in the, are we right. doing, people? I yeah, get it. You have nowhere to be, but I do. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> then, so, then, like, her, um, and then she talked about, um, like, she, she touched a little bit on Black Lives Matter and that whole um, thing. And, and I really liked it because, you know, people automatically assume when they see a Black Lives Matter thing that it means black lives are the only ones that matter. Because they really have no, I don't want to say no empathy or what's the word I'm looking for. Like they I mean, have I think no, that's what it is. I think it's empathy. Is not being able to put yourself in someone else's okay, shoes then and, is say, and say, right. okay, have, let me look at this from their perspective. What have right. they had to deal with this whole time? Right. Why is this something that needs to be said? Right. Everybody just, like, the first thing to do is... It's, oh, so you think black I'm lives going matter, to be so offended. I don't matter. Yeah, right. exactly. It's and, so, yeah, you're right. Empathy is the good word. They, you know, they don't have empathy. They don't want to put themselves in their shoes. Nothing like that. But I love that she had a picture up that said, um, just because I believe black lives matter does not mean I am anti-white. Right. So, and I, and I like that because I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's what people don't understand is just because one race, I'm sure, and I'm like, you know what, I'm sure that if black cops were out purposely killing white people... It'd be all kinds of white people raising hell and doing all kinds of crap and probably being more ignorant than half of the black. Like, you know, obviously there's there's good activists for the Black Lives Matter. Do I agree with, like, trying to fix hate with hate? Absolutely not. Like, I don't feel like burning a whole town down was necessary. I think you could get your point across better, but, I mean... You did what you did, that's you, not me, so 
I don't know why you did it. I don't know why you felt like you needed to do it. It's not me. So that's what you did, you know? But, um, but, but I feel like nobody can judge another person because they're not in their shoes. They don't know what it's like. So somebody, so then there was this other guy who spoke who was black and like she was very, you know, proper and laid back and soft spoken and kind and he was very like abrupt and in your face and he knew he only had this many minutes to get his point across and he wanted people to go to his breakout cinema seminar and he was like cussing and using the n-word and and like just getting like talking about trump a lot you know mm -hmm. and how people can say they're not racist and they can sell this stuff but how can you agree with a man who if you're not rich and white he doesn't like you because you know the sad thing is a lot of those people don't look at it in those terms because right. they've never been a minority right so in their head it's not even a factor mm -hmm. right you're listening to whatever else this mm -hmm. man is spewing because you've never had to live in the in that shoe right. of the person who he's attacking right exactly. you've never had to been fearful for yep. certain things yeah so i mean I know relatives of mine that voted for Trump and mm -hmm. told me they were going to vote for Trump. And I know for a fact that they're not racist. Right. You know, because, mm -hmm. like, Sterl is black and he kind of is around and they don't say, you know, like, right. they like to hang out with Sterl, actually. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I know for a fact that they're not racist. It's just right. in their heads. They don't compute how right. it, it actually is kind of exactly. racist and prejudice they don't see that right mm -hmm. they see protection of jobs protection of land protection of the people and their heads are like we have a little bit more freedom we're supposed to get more of this and more of that mm -hmm. and he's not going to do this and you know in their heads it just mm -hmm. doesn't compute into like hey these policies right. technically are kind of prejudiced against certain yeah. groups based on race and things like that right so I mean, there are some people that are, like, white supremacists, like, amen, yeah. we are finally getting this, like, yeah. agenda passed. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, there are those. And then there's a good portion of people who said, you know, for whatever reason, I didn't want to go with Hillary. You know, she's conniving, mm -hmm. she's evil, I don't like her policies, whatever the case may be, her history, mm -hmm. I don't know. But, you have to understand, there are two demographics within Trump. You have those, like, legitimately forcing the, right. the, the agenda, this prejudice agenda, mm -hmm. and then you have people who are, like, don't understand yeah. it on that level or don't comprehend it in that level. And so, for them, they're just thinking, oh, it's a policy issue yeah. and, yeah. you know, patriotic, Americanized, false mm -hmm. type of thing. Right, and that's, like, that was kind of my whole point with it because... You know, some people you could tell they were like, oh my God, I cannot believe that, like, he used that language and he, this and that. And I'm so offended that he would even speak that way about people who voted for Trump and how can you not be offended and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, my husband is black. We have had people make racist comments to us. I said... I don't know what, I was not there when they had to live through racism and 
all of that stuff. I said, I just feel like we cannot judge them or how they feel or what they do or talk or speak or what they think of it because we're not them. I've never had to worry about driving down the street and if my light was out or I was speeding or my sticker was expired and I got pulled over, I would never be worried for my life. I said, I don't have to worry about walking down the street somewhere and maybe getting jumped. I said, because of the color of my skin. I'm not black, so I've never had to be, you know, or go through anything that they've had to go through or hear what their ancestors have had to go through or know some of some of people who know whose family was slaves. I said, so how can I judge how they feel when I've never felt the way they felt? Mm -hmm. So let them get it out. And they have a right to how they feel. I said, so until you're in those shoes, I said, and, and truly, you shouldn't be offended anyway because if that's not you, you're not that that person. You have no reason to be offended if somebody's talking about it. But it, it goes back to, like you said, they don't understand it, so they get offended. Well, I also think that we live in a society where people get offended about everything. everything. Yeah. Everything. This is offensive to me. That's offensive yeah. to me. Oh my god, this is so offensive. And I'm like, I wish you would stop on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. You're offended, and they're offended that you're offended, and everybody gets offended. And it's like, does anybody stop, pause for a moment, and mm -hmm. think like, maybe they don't mean it offensively. Mm -hmm. Maybe I am being overly sensitive. Right. And people are like, well, I'm not overly sensitive, but it's yeah. offensive. And I'm like, but you have to gauge it on the way that, in general, people would take it. Right. Exactly. And I get it. Everybody comes from their own personal mm -hmm. thing where they've had to deal with something. And maybe uh, what happened to them in the past kind of influences mm -hmm. the way that they react to different things right. that they hear. Mm -hmm. You know, personally, I'm mixed, right? So I, I get I get it from both mm -hmm both sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not white enough. I'm not Asian enough. Right. You know, like there is like this weird dynamic of being mixed because you don't quite belong in either group, right? Right. So, I kind of am able to see a more balanced perspective of like, okay, I'm not quite white enough for mm -hmm. all the white people. But let's be real. I'm not quite Asian enough for the Asian people right. either. Well, you don't speak the language, and you don't know about this, and you don't know right. about that. And the white people, you don't look quite white. We right. can tell there's something weird, blah, blah, blah. Mm. It's it's definitely a weird dynamic, mm -hmm. in which is why I can understand. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that is my background that has allowed me to understand right. both sides of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to be balanced. Right. And but, I feel like... And I and I do feel like that's what part of also not I'm not mixed obviously I'm straight <laughs> white but <laughs> I feel like that is also what makes me more understanding and more just open to things because my husband is black and my kids are mixed so you know we've had white people make comments to us we've had black people make comments to us it's like it is what it is like if that's how you feel that's how you feel but I feel like you do see things differently. When you're in, a, in any type of situation like that. Yeah. And so I just feel like 
I try to be more open to everything because of that probably and then just some people they just don't know it because they're used to their yeah I mean if you don't see something that seems weird to you mm-hmm. if you've never seen something before mm-hmm. it's not normal right it's weird it's something that you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with because you're not quite sure to do okay so it's like Going into a restaurant you've never been in, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a line building behind you, and you need to decide what you want to order, right? Sure. Some people get a little bit of anxiety if mm-hmm. you think of everything going on around mm-hmm. you, right? I mean, it's the same type of way. It's weird. You've never been here. You don't know what to order, and right. now you're being rushed to make a decision right. on how people you feel. People are probably cussing at what you, you in want. the background. <laughs> right. Cause because they're hangry. <laughs> maybe they've been there before, yeah. but you haven't. Right. And that's the same thing you kind of deal mm-hmm. with with race, right? Mm-hmm. You've never been there before. You're confused. You don't know mm-hmm. what to think of it. But somebody's like, you need to make a decision. You're either on this side or you're on that side. Mm-hmm. And you start to get so stressed out. You don't make mm-hmm. good decisions, right? Because right? you have this group talking in your ear. You yeah. have that group talking in your ear. And you're just like, I don't know. Right. So, I feel like people need to step back, and it's hard to. It's hard to shed your biases and what you've grown up with and Mm -hmm. what you've known all your life Mm -hmm. and to try and look at it from someone else's perspective. Perspective. Yep, exactly. So, then there was um, a Native American guy there, and, and I mean, there was other people there speaking, but, um, and like other breakoff groups that we went to, but like, these are the people that I think mainly kind of stuck out and, um, to me anyway. So there was this Native American guy there and he talked about how, um, every summer he was talking about a lot of missionary work that churches do you know how they go in and they think they're gonna go there for a week and they fix everything doing for a long time so he was talking about um do you want any more wine no you take take the rest of that (laughs) (laughs) so he was talking about um how you know people would come to their um reservation no reservation right yeah reservation and missionary work for a week in the summer from churches not invited yeah they would just come there they wouldn't come and ask what they actually needed help with and they would say they would paint or they would do this or they would do that not even interact with them not anything and then leave but then want to act like they just made such a big difference in these people's lives and he said in all reality you did nothing for us. You stressed us out more than anything. You came on our sacred land where you weren't invited. You didn't care about any of our beliefs or how we do things or what we do. Of course not. You just it's wanted a to make yeah. <laughs> you just wanted to come in and make yourself feel better, like you just did this holy thing and you didn't. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he goes, I feel like that needs to stop. If somebody's going to go do some a missionary work or whatever, actually care what the people want. Be in, you know, be invited. You know, respect what their actual beliefs are. But that's the problem. Mm-hmm. A missionary trip's goal is not to really fix 
any mm-hmm. hardships. The goal of a missionary trip is to introduce Jesus mm-hmm. to heathens. And that's the way yeah. it's been. It's called assimilation. It's been the yeah. way that Europeans have done business, mm-hmm. in quotations, with um, Native Americans mm-hmm. for the longest time, right? It's we come, we take your children, we teach them the word of God. Mm-hmm. And then... But he said what's crazy is half of them didn't even speak to them when they would come. He said they would paint or they would act like they're doing this or do that. You know, take a whole day off because they wanted to go explore their area and their town. And he said not even talking to us, not even sitting down to get to know us, not even caring anything about us or our beliefs or how we do things. And truly, I think Native Americans are extremely, like, they're interesting, and I love their heart, and I love how, you know, they are in such a community with each other. And, like, when a lot of people don't know, when we were younger, I was in probably middle school, my brother, my, my brother's, and my stepdad, my stepdad played the drum for, like, a Native American um, dance team. And then my brother started, like, doing the dancing with it. Well, then I started going to powwows and stuff. And I actually found it extremely intriguing. And, and I really liked it. So I did it for a little while. Like, I did some Native American dancing because one of my really good friends did it. And then my boyfriend at the time for a long time did it. And Were they Native American? Um, or was it just a bunch of white people? It was. Kind of. No, there what was do some, they call it? Um, cultural appropriation where you guys no, kind of like. it was mixed. Okay. It was mixed and, and they like really knew um, like a lot of the Native Americans around here and did a lot of stuff with their powwows and um, they would come to us and show us things like do workshops of how to properly make their um, like their dresses and their outfits and stuff and um but i just and i really do like if somebody if you really learned what they're like and and how like family oriented and how they protect each other and how they love each other like it's really awesome like people could learn things from them actually i think what we need to start with is respecting Respecting their land. Exactly. Not trying to steal it. Um, exactly. Stop. Um, also, in college, I learned that a big problem is that there's no federal protection mm-hmm. on reservations, so white men will go on there and rape Indian women yeah. and get away scot-free. Like, that's... Disgusting. That's, yeah, ridic- it's fucking ridiculous. Horrible. Like, it makes me want to cry. Like, that is... Awful. You know, I hear that alcoholism is a big problem within the Indian community, mm-hmm. um, which is sad. And, you know, so I don't think it's all sunshine and butterflies. But, but I nothing's mean, I, all sunshine and butterflies. I think there's a rich culture that we mm-hmm. killed. Yeah. We essentially just fucked and, you know, and, all of that up. But nobody's life or nobody's world is all... What did you say? Butterflies and sunshine. Sunshine and butterflies. Yeah, like nobody's is that way. Everybody have faults and everybody has, like, you know, bad things about them. But, well, but no. you're right. People have went in. But you see and... what I'm saying? Like, we've, we've created systems in order mm-hmm. to put people under us, right? Right. So we don't want them doing better. So what do we do? 
alcoholism, drugs. I hear drugs is a huge mm-hmm. problem. Same thing with with the black community, right? Put them in put them in ghettos. Yeah. Right? Try to keep them down as much as we can. Mm-hmm. That's the white way. Yeah. And if you grew up white, a lot of times it's hard for you to see that we mm-hmm. did this to people. These were people who were like had bright great futures mm-hmm. in every turn of the thing we try and put them down in some way mm-hmm. some form with institutionalized racism mm-hmm. right we don't want to see you do better we don't want to help you get to that point we only care when it starts to affect our white counterparts exactly. and then we start to care and then we implement programs to help out those people Mm-hmm. Right? But we want to make you feel guilty for other things if you're not a white person. We want to make you feel guilty. You're now welfare queens and mm-hmm. you're living off the system and all kinds yeah. of bullshit. Right? Right. Same thing we do to minorities in other countries. Right? We pay them this minimum wage so we can make huge profits here in the United States. And you guys get mad at these people for wanting to earn a living to feed their families. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you want to do the work for $2 a day, by all means, I'm sure mm-hmm. a mayor, you know, they would move the jobs back here. You just wouldn't be able to afford shit. Mm-hmm. You know, because you'd only be making two fucking dollars a day. Right. But we don't look at that. They're stealing our jobs. No, motherfucker. You don't want to pay the price for the product if they paid you the price to make it that you want to. And you're not willing to work for that low of a pay. Right. If you were, you can have the job all you want to. I'm sure they don't care. Exactly. You know, I... Okay, so I almost got... Okay, so I, You guys have heard me complain about my brother <laughs> that I blocked on social media before. Often. And so today, he, he's just... He's back on his... He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips behind the social media thing. And, of course, he was talking... I don't know. Who was it that held up this Trump head or something. Well, you know what you know what that was? No. Okay. So somebody held up some like cut off head of Trump or was something. Was it like a photo shoot or something? I don't know. But so of course he writes and I can't even tell you what he wrote because I can't remember a thing that he said, but he wrote oh it's this person. Who's this? Uh Kathy Griffin? Is this her? Yes. Yeah, to see the head <laughs> okay. of Trump. I've been seeing yeah. polls, but I didn't actually see what so, it was about. So He wrote this. Okay, so every time he feels the need to defend Trump or whatever, he must think that talking all kinds of shit generally about a group of people and saying, like, ridiculous-ass things about everybody who is not Republican must be lazy and they're this and they don't work and they do this. Well, guess what? Hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast, but I work. I bust my ass off to work at work. I'm not rich, but I don't abuse the system. I pay my bills while your ass sits at home and doesn't even fucking work. And your wife sure in the hell don't have a good job. So, something tells me for you guys to be living on your own, you gotta be using some kind of a system. Or, how could you eat? How could you afford to live where you live? Or, do you not pay rent because you live in somebody's house that you know, and are they letting you free, what's what's the... Freeload. Freeload off of them? How is that any better than somebody who, who can't afford 
something because let's be honest, you can work a full-time job these days and still struggle to live. Yep. Because everything is so damn expensive and you don't get paid enough. So today I was kind of finally at my breaking point. Like I had just had it because he was talking all this shit and um, I didn't put him on blast on social media. Maybe the old Lisa would have put his ass on blast about how he don't work and his wife does not have a good job. So they obviously are freeloading somehow to live on their own. And, um, but I just said, you know, your, your posts are so amusing to me. I said, not because I agree with your political beliefs in any way, shape or form, because let's just be clear. I do not. I said, but you thinking with all this slander and stuff that you use against people who don't agree with your, I don't know if I said with your, um, with your white beliefs or your, or we don't believe what exactly what Republicans believe. You're just as whiny as what you're calling everybody else. Cause every time you get on social media, I said, you put on these, I want to be Mr bad boy underpants and talk shit behind social media about other people who don't agree with what you agree with by cussing and calling them names i said let me tell you something you are not even close to up there to what trump is and he don't give no shit about you so for you constantly making yourself get worked up and getting angry is amusing to me well, yeah, and I think that's a fallacy of what I find kind of funny about people who voted for Trump uh, for the American, like, mm-hmm. dream version of what he was trying to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's because Trump is a businessman. Mm-hmm. His career and his stick is built on exploiting people who are mm-hmm. less well-off than himself. Yeah. And that's the that's the crux of the whole thing is just, like, he doesn't even care about you, a white American middle right. class person, because guess what? He was born wealthy. He's stayed wealthy. <laughs> He's a businessman. They care nothing about the poor. What their thing is, their goal is the bottom line, right? right. Make as much profit as possible. Exactly. Whatever you can get away with, that's what you want to make. That's a businessman's mentality, right? I want my business to make as much profit as possible. How do you do that? By paying their workers the least amount possible. And you don't even fucking work. So why the hell... (laughs) Trump would probably spit on you and kick you in your nuts if he saw you and would just laugh. like, Because that's how he is. Like, I just... Oh, somebody's alarm's going off in the parking lot. So, I just, I don't know. Like, that's all I said. Then he wrote some big old long thing back, and all I did was give him a thumbs up, and that was it. Like, Did you read it? I did, but I don't remember exactly what he said, because I didn't exactly. I was kind of reading it, because I was at work. I mean, I was driving home. So, but I'm like, like, yeah, okay, dumbass, was pretty much my thumbs up type. And he Unless you give a thumbs and up he and knows. Said, oh, okay, dumbass. No, he then knows. thumbs up. No, no, he, he would know. That's my, like, yeah, you're an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Whatever you say. But, um, and I mean, I do believe everybody has a freedom of speech, but I do not believe the way he constantly posts and talks about people who don't agree with what he agrees with or somebody, God forbid, somebody doesn't agree with what Trump says. You were all, like, liberal idiots or what's the other I mean I can do 
I can do difference of beliefs because mm-hmm. I feel like people should have a it difference of It would be a very beliefs. boring world if we all yes. believed exactly And the here's same. what I'll say. I'm very open to hearing other people's mm-hmm. explanation for what they believe. I mm-hmm. think that you should be able to explain why you believe what you believe. Right. Period. And it's not that I want to sit there and degrade you, but if I have a question for you, you should be able to answer that. Right. Regardless if I believe with your decision... If you believe something, there should be right. a reason, or you should be able to kind of explain. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying give me a full breakout of why you believe and how you were raised and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but at least give me some semblance of why you have your beliefs, right? Right. And I don't think that people should have those pointed discussions where it's like you're trying to get, make people slip right. up, right? It's just more should be a, a dialogue, an open dialogue, right. and... You should be able to come to the point where you're mature enough to say, okay, we're just going to always disagree on this. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you don't hate me. I know that you don't, like, you may think that this doesn't affect me or you're not really saying this about me. But right. the reality is, is that it does kind of, like, pertain to me. <laughs> right. And if you thought of it in a larger picture, you would see that it does pertain to me. But at the same point, I try not to get offended by every single conversation that I have with people. Because if you get offended by someone not believing what you believe, then you will always be offended mm-hmm. by everything. So, so when, okay, so one of the people, and I, sorry, I just had to get up and get my book, and then I had to wobble over there because my heel's hurting too bad. So one of the, kind of just what, you were talking about and I have it in my notes um one of our breakout sessions was by um this guy who has a book and he there was actually more than one person in it but his book is called better and his name is Melvin Bray and let me tell you I am so I have never been so happy to go to something but now I got to find exactly how he put this because I don't want to misquote it but I have so many notes um okay so this is exactly what it says and it goes and this is what he says he said my story has value and you don't understand it your story has value and I don't understand it but that's okay we don't have to understand every pretty much we don't have to understand everybody's story or their beliefs we still shouldn't love each other at the end and not purposely try to degrade somebody else. Yeah. And um, and I love this breakout because, like, I actually want to get this book, and I don't even like to read, but <laughs> I want to get his book because he had a lady um, that was living in, I don't, out of the country somewhere, like, I don't even want to toy give the wrong place to where she lives but it's in some kind of like Hong Kong or something like that out of the country and she's living there with in a biracial marriage and trying to still install good beliefs in her children but also in, can embrace the beliefs that are in her area and her culture you know which is difficult exactly so then um, there was this a pastor from Inglewood, which is a town about, what, half an hour, 45 minutes from us? Inglewood. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> and then there was a lady who's Asian who lives in Libertyville, which is also by us, and then the guy who wrote the book. Baby, what? What? Kevin has interrupted our podcast way too much today. What are you looking for? I think okay. he just likes to hear his name when he listens to the podcast. And, Me too, because And like Lisa faithful. gives him all of the, like, love, and I would just pretend like he didn't even show up. Right. Well, he's in my way, and I get too damn distracted. So then, um, so I totally love, love, love this breakout and listen to them because the lady from Libertyville talked about how, well, first it was the guy, the pastor from Inglewood started talking about how, you know, he's trying to... Make people look at, because Inglewood is not looked at as a good place in any way, shape, or form. Like, the media and social media does not make it a good place. And you wouldn't, most people who maybe probably aren't from around here or don't have open mind about things. Like, he said, Inglewood is the place you drive through. It is never a place you drive to. Period. That's how people look at it. He said, you know, People who live in, some people who live in Inglewood because they let all the hype of how bad we are get to them and then they truly believe that we're bad people because we live here. They wish for people who, they wish for a community with big old houses, white picket fence, and everybody's grass is the same height Mm -hmm. because they let people knock them down and that's what they believe about themselves, even if they're not bad people. He said, people have no idea how many people in Inglewood would give you their very last shirt off their back, their very last dollar in their pocket if they felt like you really needed it, and or if they even felt like you needed it. So then the lady from Libertyville, she totally laughed, because then she's like, and see, I live in that community where people wish that they could live, because we're rich, or we, we're wealthy. We do have those white picket fences with the grass that's all the same height. He said, but, she said, but what people don't know, because we are wealthy and have money, so much bad is hidden, and it's not put out there like in Inglewood. He said, this is, she goes, this is what I deal with on a daily basis. Well, she became a speaker and a writer because she felt like if she did not learn the stuff that her kids do, then how's she ever going to connect with them? So she's become like this big social media person. So before they got on Facebook or Instagram, Snapchat, she learned all the ins and outs of it. So then she knows how to go on there and use that as a way to her kid's life. And she said, you know, that's something I wouldn't even know about my kids if it wasn't for social media. <laughs> she said, but especially like her older children who are away at college now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said... But people don't understand what I deal with on a daily basis because guess what? It's not on TV. It's not on social media. She goes, you don't have many. She goes, my neighbors don't even talk to us anymore because I'm not that it parent who lets my child underage sit outside and drink with them. I'm not that parent who's just going to let my kid go down to, like she said, Susie's in quotation mark. or That's not the name she said, but she made up a name and goes, I'm not okay walking down there and seeing these parents feeding or giving all these kids at their house alcohol. She said, that's not okay with me. And that's not appropriate. 
she said, so people don't realize, yeah, you live in these big, nice neighborhoods, but there's these little three houses over here are a click. These little three houses over here are a click. These houses over here are a click. And God forbid you don't agree with one of them about something because then you are out the door and you have no friends no more in your neighborhood. <laughs> she said, so people don't like me. She said, but I don't care. She said, you have no idea how many parents I have got into it with. And I said, uh, excuse me, don't you dare give my child that alcoholic beverage. For one, they're underage. For two, you're being illegal. <laughs> and she's like, but that stuff is not on in public eye because it's hidden. She said all the drugs that go around in our schools never gets on the news. No. Which is why there's such a huge drug epidemic in mm -hmm. wealthy neighborhoods is because, mm -hmm. you know, they they have the connections in order to hide yeah. that thing. But what, what happens when you hide things, it just festers. It yeah. gets worse. And that's what she said. So it never gets better. That's exactly what she said. She goes, it gets hidden because they're wealthy. They know how to make it hidden. The kids are wealthy. They know exactly where to go to get what they need to get, but parents don't ever say nothing about it because, God forbid, that little white picket fence gets a little dirty. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, and she says, you know, one of my main things and one of the pastor from Inglewood things is stop having people bring people from Inglewood down and stop making people in white picket fence neighborhoods up. We all need to come together and be one. I mean, that's what happens place. when you have, like, yes men, right? Everybody mm -hmm. wants to belong. They don't mm -hmm. learn to have their own opinions. They want mm -hmm. to kowtow to, like, whatever is going on and what is mm -hmm. popular and what's yeah in. And that's when you run into these situations where there's a large disconnect. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. So I know it's a long podcast, but, like, yeah. the one last person that I want to talk about that was there speaking was, his name was um, Ibu Patel. And he was actually a member of President Obama's inaugural um, advisory council on faith-based neighborhood partnerships. So he said out of all of the inaugurations that he has been in, President Obama's was his very favorite because it was the most um, diverse inaugural team out of any president ever. He said, all backgrounds, all colors, all everything was there. He said, and I loved it because that's what our world needs. So just real quick, he told this, um, like, I feel like this, he told this really awesome story about how there was a community, and I know this has something to also do with the Bible, but I don't know the Bible like that, so I don't know what part of it it was, but um, he said, there was a lady that had a pot in a community, and all she had in it was stones and water. So she told one person that came, like, to see what she's doing, do you have carrots? And they said, yeah, I think we actually have carrots in our fridge. When got the carrots. The next person, celery. The next person, chicken. The next person, whatever it is to make a, you know, like a whole soup, like, was pretty much his thing. So... What nobody realized is nobody in the community could afford to make a big meal. But each person had a little piece to contribute. Of, to contribute to the meal. And by the time the meal was done, everybody was talking. 
being a community, getting along, and it didn't matter who you were, what you believed, what you looked like, nothing. What your religion was, what your background was, if you were rich, if you were poor, everybody was there talking, getting along, and being happy and eating together. I mean, think about think about going to a party, right? Mm -hmm. And you're looking at the attendees and you're like, what do we all have in common? Oh, well, looking at mm -hmm. people, you'd be like, nothing. We have nothing in common, right? But then you start talking to one person mm -hmm. about something and you start talking to another person about something right. else. And you realize that everybody's just having a good time and enjoying everybody's company, right? Mm -hmm. So I went to Hibachi yesterday. It was me, mm -hmm. you know, this group of friends, and one of the couples had a, a little tiny daughter. And then there was, like, these two kind of thugnificent-looking dudes sitting across the way. But everybody was sitting there talking, having mm -hmm. a good conversation. The guys were talking about basketball. The ladies were talking about drinks. Mm -hmm. Everybody was bonding over drinks mm -hmm. and food and all kinds of stuff. Like, everybody was having a good time. So mm -hmm. it's, like, the same type of example right mm -hmm. if you put too much value in looking at people and judging people and mm -hmm. you know we all look totally different from each other in a normal setting you probably wouldn't yeah. like we won't get along we have nothing to discuss but you don't know but we ended Until up having a it. good time right everybody's sitting right. there hanging out exactly so he was so funny because i mean like he i don't know he the story i wish i had more time because then i remember everything he said because it, it was it was just so like amazing how he said it, and I'm sure it came from something, and it wasn't his exact words. But then at the end, he said, he was hilarious. He said, out of all of my years in my career, and what I do, and inaugurations that I've been in, he goes, this is my favorite thing I've ever come up with or ever, like, said. He's, and he said, bridges do not fall from the sky or rise from the ground. We build them. Mm -hmm. Which is true. We build them just like we should build everything in our community communities and build everyone and just i don't, I don't know i, just I mean i get what he's saying he's saying mm -hmm. they don't just come out of thin air right you have to you build have it you have to put right. in the work to create the bridge and the effort and to understand yeah exactly yeah exactly so last like when calvin picked me up on wednesday like i think he expected me to get in the car and be like oh which i mean i i did miss them but i I expect, I think he expected me to be like, I miss you. I'm so glad and perky and chirpy and happy to be home. And, and like literally on our hour drive home from church, all I did was cry. Like he picked me up from there and I cried all the way home telling him like everything from the weekend and everything from everyone's story. And he's like, babe, are you going to cry all night? I said, can we go get some wine? Because I think I want to drink a bottle of wine and just cry all night long. Oh, because goodness. I feel like my heart has never been so full and so heavy at the same time. Like, I don't know. It was just very eye-opening. And it was like a little wonderful experience. Because then, of course, they had um, children's choirs that were from around the area singing. And uh, I don't know. It was just beautiful. Heart, like, breaking and warming experience. I guess. Yeah, I guess I could see how that would be a very... And that wasn't even, like, the half of emotional it. Emotional like, Yeah, like, there was so training. much more in there that it would just take us for hours and hours. But yeah. it was just, I don't know what it was. It was a very heartwarming and heart-heavy experience. And I was glad I did it because now, more than ever, do I feel like 
like our church is already very diverse and very everyone is welcome no matter your beliefs you don't even have to believe in god if you just feel like you want to believe in something but you don't know what that is like you are welcome to come in our church. You are even welcome to take communion at our church. Like, that's one of his main things is... Shout out to Lisa's church. Yeah, like, that's one of his main things that he does is you just have to feel hungry for something. I don't care what you're, you're feeling... I'm hungry right now, people. <laughs> Y'all just don't, don't understand. Right? Like, that's... And so I, I just want to make sure, like, I'm always that. I just want to always see with an open heart and an open mind from here on out towards right. anybody children adults anybody well, i feel her on that yeah we're gonna have to wrap it up because mm -hmm. lisa had a lot to talk about and i did i, I did not sorry. comprehend when she said she wanted to talk about i had this. to get i had to get i like <laughs> ugh and i'm glad she did because we touched on a lot yeah. of great topics within mm -hmm. a podcast so i appreciate it yeah um, but you can find us on all the major social media networks at the MWT Podcast. You can email us at the MWT Podcast at gmail.com. And you can call or leave us a voicemail at, uh, you know, 331 684 8814. That. And you can check out all the podcasts and blogs if there are any on 1515av.com. You'll find something there you like. You will. If you don't like us. Mm. And with Ours that, is the best, but you it know, is. whatever. All, it always is. Whatever. Alright, till next week. We'll be back on a more consistent basis now. Hopefully. My exhaustion should be over from last we'll week. We'll see. And, you know. You guys we'll are see. probably a little bit more trusting than I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see y'all later. Bye! Peace.